No, very good afternoon. Look, just to get it out of the way, um, how much of, of a distraction for policy on Three Waters has co-governance been? Look, I think it's been a significant uh, distraction. It's been a really divisive element of the Labor Party's Three Waters policy. It's really caused division uh, amongst communities across this country. Uh, and in today, you know, in our plan today, local water done well, uh, we've moved that uh, completely out. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's um, been taken, taken well in terms of the feedback we've heard. Okay, so now we're down to actually a battle of uh, genuine policies. What are the, what's the defining feature of Nationals policy that distinguishes it and makes it better than what the government might be planning? Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's a key aspect in terms of what is the government actually planning, because right now we don't know what uh, this reset or reassessment looks like. But if we compare it to uh, Labor's mega-entity uh, co-governed model, a key difference is, is obviously we're going to be repealing uh, the uh, Three Waters aspect. We're absolutely not going to be following through in terms of the mandated uh, co-governance components that's gone. The new components uh, that differentiate is around the establishment of a, an investment uh, water investment regulator, uh, which will focus on investment in water infrastructure and ensure fair pricing. Uh, and we're also... Um, got a key element which is around financial sustainability and this basically is to ensure that councils are required to demonstrate financial sustainability um, but we're not going to mandate uh, the model in which they need to adopt in order to achieve that. We're going to work together uh, with them to achieve it. And of course the, the idea is to keep it in control of councils isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, we're going to be, uh, you know, the key element in terms of our uh, policy is to restore council ownership and control. Uh, and to be honest, that has been one of the single biggest uh, elements of, of division uh, across New Zealand as well. Very clear with our policy, uh, these water assets uh, are going back and will be restored back to council ownership and control. There are people who are terrified basically of how much it's going to cost to get our water infrastructure into shape. What's your understanding of how much this is going to cost? Well, look, there's a significant degree of variation. Uh, the Prime Minister is quoting numbers of 130 to $185 billion. Uh, If you listen uh, and take feedback from the councils, uh, their view is, is that those numbers are significantly overstated. At the moment, uh, the overall councils in totality are spending about just over $1.6 billion a year on water infrastructure investment. So you take that over 50 years, that's around $50 billion. Uh, I think all parties recognise that there needs to be more investment in water and that's why a key component of our plan allows councils to uh, undertake uh, long-term uh, borrowings to match long-term assets. That's been a key issue uh, in the status quo, uh, that the councils in the main have borrowed short-term uh, to fund assets that last 50, 60 years. Because, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the headlines have been around some huge uh, costs to households. So how's that going to work that doesn't see households have these massive rate hikes? Well, the, the challenge with the status quo and Labor's three waters model is, is how is it possible um, that, you know, with the creation of four new mega bureaucracies complicated with costly co-governance and, you know, a, a long line of bureaucrats and consultants, how is that going to be uh, cheaper? Our view is, is that Labor's plan is going to cost more uh, the nationals uh, and Labor really have to explain how they're going to get new pipes and culverts into the ground without anyone paying for it. It's just simply uh, not possible. And, and you know what I refer to is is, is the 
you know, the magic money tree. You know, uh, someone has to pay uh, for this investment. Uh, and I think, you know, that conversation has been clouded by Labor. Uh, and, you know, we're being pretty upfront around what's required. What about the small councils that have a disproportionately large amount of um, investment they need to make, which would, frankly, just terrify their ratepayers? Yeah, look, I've been out on the ground and met with over 50 councils uh, and the conversations that I hear uh, from those councils that you're referring to is really, you know, the need to be able to work with other like-minded councils in their region in order to gain uh, a degree of critical mass uh, that will ensure that they can undertake the investment they required. Uh, We've said one option uh, that's available to them is a regional council-controlled organisation. Basically, that's a legal entity, which means that uh, it can borrow... uh, debt uh, which isn't uh, impacted on the council's uh, balance sheet uh, and you know the conversations that we've had Hawke's Bay good example all four councils in the Hawke's Bay uh, have tabled uh, they want to form a council controlled organisation uh, it's going to deliver the investment they need over 30 years it's going to make some savings for their ratepayers, uh, but the government told them sorry not going to happen uh, so you've already got a small council and that includes Wairoa uh, as well mm. so you've got a variation in that model. What about, I mean, are there going to be small councils that aren't going to find friends to sort of team up with because their, their situation is so dire? Yeah, look, potentially. Um, but the conversations that I've had across the country is, is that, you know, I think you know, pretty much every council recognises that uh, we need to do better and we need to invest more in water infrastructure. For those councils that, that do find themselves in the position, we've got a couple of aspects in our policy to deal with that. One is, is some transitional funding, which acknowledges is that there will be councils that you refer to that may need uh, support from central government to get them up to minimum standards, and we've got provision for that on a case-by-case basis. But the actual, you know, the key element is if people just don't want to play ball, if they're just going to be difficult and not put together a plan that's going to demonstrate sustainability, then central government has a regulatory backstop, which means that we can step in uh, and make sure that they, they put in place a model. But I would, ex- I would expect that the local government minister would only use that in exceptional circumstances. So d- it seems just broadly, if I was trying to explain this to, to well, to myself probably, that we've got the, the model that the government are proposing, which is all central government, and it seems that yours is much more local government. But is there a role for central government to play in your model, including in the funding of things? Absolutely. The two uh, key components. First is in terms of the regulation. So we absolutely support the water quality regulator. That's making sure that the water is safe to drink uh, and that the water being discharged uh, or taken from uh, sources uh, is appropriate and not polluted. The other is the investment regulator. That makes sure that councils, with the revenue that they collect, that that's going back into water infrastructure. And that's been a key issue. Uh, a number of ratepayers in certain councils around the country say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm paying my rates, and the gov- you know, the council's using my rates to fund, you know, nice to have stuff, but not not putting it into the pipes." And that regulation component uh, will ensure that 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 occurs. The aspect around our financial sustainability uh, is a key element of our plan, and you know, we're going to expect all councils to come back to us within a year uh, with a plan that demonstrates financial sustainability. Uh, But as I said, we're going to have options around funding, long-term debt funding Mm. uh, in place, so we're confident um, that we're going to be able to find the right thing. We've got to get this right, uh, and the feedback we've heard from councils, you know, is, you know, we're going to work with us, not against us. 
uh, and that's been that continues to be uh, you know our position on this matter. So the short term funding that currently is used versus long term funding, can you give us an example as to how much of a difference that makes to avoid ratepayers getting this you know massive uh, hit that they are terrified of? Yeah, so uh, for example, um, you know, there may, if you've got a small council, uh, you know, Carfair, I use the example, it's got a water plant there, it needs around five to ten million dollars. If that plant was uh, up and running, um, then, you know, that would solve a, a huge amount of their problems in that region. Uh, and that would be an example of, of something where, you know, central government working with local government around uh, putting in place uh, an investment that would make, it just make a, a rapid improvement and get them up. Uh, the Government has already allocated about a billion dollars um, for uh, you know what they call better off funding. Uh, National is going to retain this existing allocation, uh, but the key difference is under Labor, you could spend that on anything. Um, uh, it didn't have to go into water uh, infrastructure. National would make sure uh, that any um, allocation under that would uh, be uh, upgrading of water infrastructure, uh, and funding like that will be allocated to councils on a need needs to need basis. Um, but only when other options like accessing long-term borrowings have been exhausted. Yeah. So um, obviously the government was going to be funding uh, their 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 investment centrally, and you've explained about the long-term loans. It, it does seem unavoidable that people are going to face some extra costs, aren't they, in ratepayers? Look, our view uh, very clearly, as I said before, is is that you know Labor's plan will cost more than Nationals. Uh, because of the uh, creation of that mega bureaucracies and that co-governance structure, and we've already seen it in terms of some of the cons- high-priced consultants and and you know bureaucrats feeding into that. You know, both plans require us building pipes and installing drains. Our plan makes it cheaper by putting communities in charge and ensuring councils plan for the long term. Labor have to explain, as I said before, how they are going to get new pipes and culverts without anyone paying for them. Uh, and you know that's that's where we're at at the moment. Do you think you can win this argument without having to talk about co-governance? <laughs> Look, we've uh, been very clear that co-governance uh, is not uh, uh, within our plan. It is not something that central government uh, should mandate. Uh, and the reality is, and we heard this from select committees, is councils uh, already have well established uh, and in the main good relationships with Maori, Iwi, and Hapu across their regions. They are best placed in order to govern their assets, and they are best placed to uh, manage uh, and you know improve those relationships. As a minister of local government, having a look at these plans, you know, it no doubt be a question to ask: Have you engaged uh, local Maori, Iwi, and, and Hapu in your conversation? And, and I would expect, based on what I've heard from councils around the country, it would be absolutely yes, because those relationships already exist. But it was interesting, you know, the number of iwi uh, that have already, um, you know, did not support three waters. Uh, and we heard that in the select committee process. And why? Because they were concerned about the loss of local voice uh, for their iwi in, in particular parts of uh, the North Island. Excellent. Um, hey, Simon, thanks so much for your time. And uh, good luck uh, selling this on the hustings. No problem at all. Appreciate Cheers. it. This week on The Parenting Hangover, we have a very special guest, Hamish Blake of Hamish and Andy fame of the podcast, How Other Dads Dad is our guest on the podcast. He's like a dad that I definitely idolise. I'm really excited for this. Here I am freaking out about what we're going to talk about, and then we both just agreed like a minute before it started, just banter to him like he's a regular dad, and that's what we did, and he's just a legendary dad, so I'm, I'm stoked for you guys to hear this one. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.